thanks thanks for joining us this is gestures to room to other rooms to remote recording session there we go we're all gesturing there we go see now you can see it all uh but this is the lost end podcast how exciting that is uh to see us <laughs> in our, our natural habitats well, um, how'd you guys become friends we have known each other many many years actually he ran yeah, he still does but he ran a recording studio and a uh, my band recorded with him a long, long time ago, and that's how we met. Aw, yep. we were like long-time besties. <laughs> he was actually the good. first person I interviewed because he uh, died once, so that made him a, a good candidate. And then after we we talked, I was like, you should just do this with me. And then we've been trying to figure it out since then. I've heard near-death experiences are really similar to like um, ego deaths and psychedelics, so it'll be cool to see see and hear how those compare for you. Nice. Anyway, well, we well we met on uh, Instagram, which is where yeah. all good friendships start. Uh, and <laughs> you you had d- described yourself, I think, uh, on your Instagram, like you, your pitch is microdosing mentor. But I feel like from our conversation that we had, that you do a lot more than that. If you want to explain all the things that you do. Yeah, um, you know, it, it is hard on Instagram, and I found through marketing that it's important to have like a clear. I don't love the word niche, but like niche and sort of that people can find you and I self identify and say, yes, I do want this. But overall, I'm, let's see, I'm a certified life coach. Um, and I know like a lot of modalities. So timeline healing, NLP, hypnosis, things like that. I'm also a certified breathwork practitioner. And it's not holotropic breathwork. And it's not transforma- transformational breathwork, but it's somewhere in between. And it does produce like those non ordinary states of consciousness. Um, and then I'm also a psychedelic facilitator. So I do microdosing. I only work with psilocybin, um, as of right now, um, microdosing is most of what I do, helping people get the most out of their practice. But then I'm also like, um, a ceremonial retreat facilitator. So if you really want a macro and go somewhere and do it, and I almost say a non-traditional setting because people are so used to like taking trims and going to festivals or whatever. Um, and this is much more introspective and, you know, really like going within, um, then I'm your girl. How did you uh, start to get into this? Like, what what was the the catalyst that got you to to change your career and and get into this? Yeah, so I used to be a lawyer. Woof! I've been thinking of that about that a lot lately because <laughs> I had uh, I'm reporting for jury duty, but um, I was just really unhappy. I done a lot of drugs not really psychedelics but i lived a lifestyle that really probably wasn't sustainable (laughs) who knows how long i would have survived kept going down that road i also don't know a lot of lawyers who are truly happy i think i know one who seems to really enjoy his profession and i had just been living my life to make someone else i think my mom like i'm not blaming her at all like i was an adult i had full volition um but to make her happy and i realized i wasn't and i had the power to be and I kind of blew up my life, not thinking I would get into this at all, not really knowing what I was going to do. But over the course of my journey, after realizing I loved coaching, I loved facilitating transformation for people, I found psychedelics. Um, I was a much older person when I tried psychedelics, and I think a lot of people are. I was like 27 um, when I tried psychedelics for the first time, I remember I had this really pivotal experience with like acid and I'd always done it on my own to, because I knew it had like healing properties. And I think that's why I was also scared of it because I didn't want to like, I didn't want to know what I was going to, I didn't know what I was going to see, but I was also scared of what I was going to see. 
And I realized, I really firmly believe this, that I am the reincarnation of my mom's sister who died, like, stillborn. Um, I was actually named mm. after her as well, but I just had this huge, like, feeling, like a knowing. And, like, I had very close relationships, like, parental relationships with my grandparents. My uncle annoys me like a brother would. And my mom and I have much more of, like, a sister relationship than a mother-daughter relationship. Um, and then I sat with ayahuasca and now I'm here. I mean, it, you know, it's not as simple as that, but I really found a lot of power in myself for microdosing. That's really where I got started because it allows you to have like the positive effects in your brain without having to like fully go into a trip whenever you do it. Um, and it really, I mean, it helped me so much to feel better, to reduce my anxiety, to just get to a really good baseline. And I devoted myself to researching and getting certified and all the things. And I've been doing that full time for two years now. And I, I'll never look back. I love it. So growing up, were you in, you weren't into any of that. Like, what was your upbringing like? Were you just like like a regular old religious, like Christian girl growing up? Or did, you know, how did you get into like the, just the spiritual side of things anyway? Um, so it's funny you say like a Christian girl. Cause I, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school. Like I went to mass two times a week, every week, a uh, lot of, a lot of Jesus, a lot of Roman Catholicism. And well, my dad died when I was little, when I was sick. And I think that was the first time I used to have these dreams. I've been thinking about them a lot because I'm home right now. I used to have these dreams where I would see my dad and he would like start to walk toward me. And I would think that I would wake myself up because I was scared. But I don't like looking back, I don't really think it was a dream. Like, I think my dad was still kind of in the in-between. It was like right after he had passed. And like there was some sort of connection that he wanted to have, whether it was to see me or to tell me something. But I was so freaked out that like I couldn't handle it. And I knew like conceptually that dead meant no longer here. Um, and I, my dad dying helped me realize like there's so much more than this world. Like dead doesn't mean gone. Um, dead, you know, it's no longer in this form in the physical, but like, I feel my dad all the time. I'm so very connected to my dad and Catholicism, Catholicism is weird as fuck. So I think that also like <laughs> makes you a little bit more spiritual. So you're just like, what, what are these like people talking in tongues? Like, this is so crazy. Um, but when did I feel more spiritual? I mean, did I you feel like to... then you had a sensitivity or something? Like, because I don't think everybody feels that way, especially if you're being like indoctrinated and raised that way. Like that, you know, you're told there's a heaven if you do good. But obviously, like for you, even like as younger, like you had a different, maybe a different perception even then, because I don't think most people come out of that and feel because what you the way you're saying it, it's not the, the religiousy way of saying it. It's more like the the connection because you probably believed in heaven if you were believe that was, that was like what you were raised to believe but it sounds like you're describing it in a different way yeah um maybe sensitivity i like i do think women are just more naturally intuitive like we're more sensitive to things but i've always felt extremely sensitive to like even as a little kid i would know when someone was sad or like wasn't in their normal state like as a little little kid and i've always just kind of had like so like in intuition all of the ways we get signs they're all in the french like clairvoyant clear ceiling cl clear cognizant clear knowing and i've always kind of known things that i couldn't like explain or justify but i just like knew that that was the answer and then people would be suspicious of me mm -hmm. um but i also have this weird like smell thing 
where I smell things that aren't there and like I get messages through the smells. So I think I've always felt like I was a bit more of like a witch. And then I really got into that in my 20s. And I was like, I think I'm a witch. And I do think actually we're all like witches and warlocks and stuff. But we get so indoctrinated in Western culture to like block out those parts of ourselves that we aren't as receptive to it. Because stuff like possession and like, um, you know, talking to spirits and stuff is so normal in like almost every other culture besides western europe and the united states and canada so it's so wild to me that like we're the like the outlier and everywhere else it's like yes like let's remove this spirit and let's commune with nature and we're just like let's rely on this study and take this pill to mask our symptoms yeah i know it wasn't about words in your mouth but just the way you describe it like doesn't sound like you know i was raised kind of catholic and like i i don't know i never got to the I don't know. You just sounded like a little bit different. Like you had, like, and it usually it seems like most of the people we talk to that have any sort of experiences, like realize something is different about them, and they get into it like when they're younger, and like there's a there's a, a worldly connection, like you're saying that that doesn't manifest itself. Like it happens as a child, but then like maybe later in life you realize that that was there. Like all the people that we've talked to that say they've experienced like like paranormal things are usually like you know it starts it starts when they're young. Yeah, I mean, I've always felt a very strong connection to nature, like just being outside, picking up sticks, walking around, talking to the animals, like Pocahontas is problematic for quite a few reasons. But if you want to like think of some sort of like analogy, I always kind of felt like that, like I had my little forest friends and I felt like there was so much wisdom to be gained basically from from nature. Yeah. And then so you end up end up being a lawyer like you and then. How did you said you, you know, you were, you were excited about coaching people and then helping people. And then you not tried, you only did psychedelics when you were 27. So before lawyership or during lawyership or during, yeah. Okay. And then in that, how did, how did that, I mean, was it just that experience that kind of opened you up to, and then you just dove in after that? Like, how did that transition happen? Yeah. Did everything change at that point? I can very distinctly remember the first time I did psychedelics, I did acid and I loved it. Like I loved the way I felt. Um, and then within a year and a half, I decided I'm not going to be a lawyer anymore. I gave that up. The coaching aspect really came from, I got enrolled in this program that looking back is a little culty, but I loved a lot of the teachings. Do you guys remember when that like series, it was like Nexium or some shit was on the internet. Yeah. Okay, so I wasn't a Nexium. <laughs> Wait, you're not. You're like, is this girl in a cult? I wasn't in that oh, wow. Nexium. <laughs> but I like a lot of the stuff they said felt very similar. Um, and it was about like, kind of like any sort of MLM, right? It's like, go get someone else to do it too, which was, I didn't ever really align with that part. I never enrolled anyone else. But there were a lot of powerful like teachings. We create our own reality, like the things you tell yourself are a story, blah, blah, blah. Um and seeing the power of that with these people who were not trained to be coaches that was another part like a feedback part that i had with them because they were just random people that didn't really have any sort of training leading this transformational program i thought i really enjoy this like i could do this i think i'd be amazing at it because i am intuitive i think that's really my like um my secret thoughts is that i'm able to see someone's blind spot or like see an issue before they're able to see it um and help guide them to like having their own realization about it uh so then i got certified to be a coach and i did something like much more traditional like sort of executive coaching right because i was a lawyer and i understood like you know business structure and things like that 
And it was, I had some success with it, but I still felt like I was sort of like missing something. And then I started microdosing on my own because a friend who invested in a company introduced me to the concept. Like I didn't even know microdosing existed, even though like I had, I loved acid. I had sat with ayahuasca, like all of these things. Um, so I started microdosing. I well, just shared about it. That was before it. you, when you were a coach, you did that? Like when you were like an executive yes. coach, you were doing those things? Yes. And did, did any of those experiences, like kind of think what Joel was hinting at is like, because you said like the first time I did acid, I liked the way it felt, but you didn't say I saw some shit, like I looked in the mirror and then I was a different person. Like, did any of that happen through like your acid or your ayahuasca experiences building up to that, that like changed you or was that was you're just having a good time till then? Oh, I mean, ayahuasca like is extremely confronting. Um are there any sort of like, do I need to give you a sort of trigger warning on this or can I just keep talking? <laughs> nah, just go. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you can go for it. So I, okay. So on acid before, when I really started to realize how powerful it was, is when I had that experience like of me realizing like I am a reincarnation of like my mom's sister and she like, it wasn't the time for like me then, but it was a time for me now to be born. Um, and so when I South Ayahuasca for the first time, my business was very fresh. I was struggling and my intention was like, I, I want clarity. Like, how do I move this business forward? How do I make this a real thing? So like, I can totally give up lawyering and, and pursue this path. And then a week before I found out I was pregnant and you have to do this. You don't have to, but it, to get the most out of the experience, it's important to really change your diet like a month before no caffeine no red meat just so like your stomach like your body is prepared to take it on and so i've been doing this for a month and i was like there's no way i'm not going to do this like not drinking caffeine was very hard for me um i really want to still sit and so i called my facilitator and i was like this is the situation i'm pregnant i don't even know how i feel about this but can i still sit with ayahuasca and so she said Yes, like in the Shipibo tradition, they sit for up to seven or eight months into pregnancy. Um, and the babies turn out like they're fully functioning, normal people. Like it's totally fine. Um, and so I said, okay, cool. I'm still going to do this. And I'm not even thinking about the fact that like, I don't even want to deal with it because the guy who I was seeing at the time, actually I'd already ended things with him. He was just such a jack off though. And I called and told him and he's like begging me to get an abortion. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you're not going to ask me how I feel. Like there was no, how do you feel about this? Are you upset? It's just like, please get an abortion. <laughs> and I was like, you are such a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> so I'm just, I have not even felt like any feeling about it. And so I'm sitting with ayahuasca on the second night and it sh she shows me a baby, like kind of like a robot baby. And I'm like, oh no, this is not where I want to go with this. Um, but you really got to lean in. That's my advice to everyone. Like if you resist the experience, it's only going to get a million times worse. Right. That's what people keep saying. That yeah, they're, they're it's true. <laughs> I didn't, this isn't me like <laughs> bullshitting anyone. <laughs> um, so I went there and the baby's kind of like talking to me, but it's almost like a sound box or like a computerized voice. And then ayahuasca is talking to me. And so we're having this like conversation and I could see that the baby would be a boy and, you know, he could, he could grow up and it would be okay. And then ayahuasca starts talking to me and saying like energy can either be created or destroyed. If you choose not to like open up 
to like have this spirit, this soul, this energy come through through you. That's okay. Like it will still come through in a different way. Like maybe it will actually come through you later. Maybe it will come through someone else, but you're not like killing the soul. You you can't kill a soul. That's actually like a very human misconception. Like, so we go to think like a human can kill a soul. Like that's, that's a matter of like a larger realm. And so she said, actually your medicine gets to be like having an abortion and then telling people about it in a way that reduces their shame and guilt because so many people carry a tremendous amount of, you know, bad internalized, like low self-worth feelings because of an abortion, because of religion and all of these things. So I share all this and share circle the next day and two different women in this small group of like 10 to 12 women come up to me and say, I had an abortion. I felt so bad about it. Like you sharing this makes me feel so much better. Thank you. So that was just like, you know, in share circle. And since now I've publicly talked about it on my platform a few times and I do get some people who are like, you know, you're a killer. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> all right. I don't know what you want me to say. I don't feel that way. But I think it's cool. Like I have never felt one ounce of shame or guilt about it. I don't feel bad about it. And the amount of people who have commented and like messaged me and all sorts of things like that to me, it makes everything that I've done worth it because people carry some really intense feelings around abortion and I just don't think we need to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for your service in that. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate the platform to just speak about. It. I hope anyone who relates to this, like doesn't feel that way about themselves because you're not bad. Your soul is just fine. When you, when you explain that to people, like how do you, is it like you just say like, you're just pulling that energy from the source and it just, you're just not bringing it to this earth or like, how does that explanation go to like to understand like that? Because that's a pretty deep thing for people to like to comprehend, right? Yeah, I think like for science people that like starting at the premise of like energy can either be created nor destroyed is like a really like tangible thing that people can latch on to and be like, yeah, like that's proven in scientific experiments, right? In controlled studies, mm -hmm. they have shown energy can either be created or destroyed. And like even the whole debate about what is it like seven ounces or something? like when people die and there's like this change of their body composition and they say like that seven ounces is your soul or the 21 um, grams or yeah yeah i'm making up a number at this point i don't know but nah. there's some, there's something i got there. really into that <laughs> 21 grams okay 21 your body composition changes right like something is going somewhere um so i think sciencey people like can really latch onto that concept but the way i like to think about like you and me and everyone listening and everyone alive and everyone who ever was and ever will be. It's like, we're all part of one sort of like, I kind of think of the consciousness as a big bubble, right? It's like your consciousness is really what you are. You're not your body. You're not your face. Like these are all ways that we represent in this like lifetime, but your consciousness is what makes you uniquely you. And so I think consciousness comes from like a like a big divine bubble and it's almost like a little bubble gets, you know, siphoned off and put into like a little body, but it's all part of the whole. So I can't like kill that bubble, right? The bubble is just going to go back and maybe like I will have a kid someday. I don't know. I hear stories about parenthood and I just think probably not. But <laughs> if I don't, like I'm sure I'll run into the bubble at the grocery store and I'll be like, wow, like I'm so happy to see you. I'm glad you made it. 
No, I like that. And I, again, I just wanted to kind of get your explanation because I think, you know, I, I don't want people to attack you. And if anybody listens to this, like they need to understand like where you're coming from. But, you know, I, as, as somebody who grew up, like I, I was raised Catholic, kind of. My mom was pretty good about not like burning Jesus into me, my brain too much. But like that whole scientific <laughs> soul, like energy thing has been like the one thing that like really when I when I was at probably my darkest was the one thing that made me feel like, you know, there was that was an internal thing like that, that scientific piece that I could grab onto that I believe because I believed in science. So like when I heard, you know, that en- your energy can't be, you know, extinguished or whatever, and you get into philosophy and we start talking about like pool balls and like, how's the first one start rolling if nobody hits it? Oh, it gets so deep. It gets so deep. And then we've had conversations on here with, with multiple people about like the same kind of idea of like, if we're just like a receiver of like that, of a, you know, then that's how we're built. We're not necessarily producing something we're just hosting or like uh just an antenna and like yeah it's, yeah it, it, it gets heavy receivers so your brains are receivers sig- receivers of s- signals and antennas to broadcast thoughts and yeah that's my favorite model of consciousness that's one i really align with but um, people being receivers yeah like conscious i fully believe like us as consciousness exists far outside of this and this is just an instrument yeah yep. well i guess I, I need to know more about like you being the like feeling like you are the same again i, is it the, I want to say bubble because it sounds more fun uh or energy of of, of your aunt is that what you said yeah she'd be my aunt or how about I'd you be, say yeah. mom's sister because she didn't quite make it yeah, actually, that's okay. another reason of very traumatizing, like Catholicism told my mom or grandma to like keep the baby inside of her. And it was just like this whole terrible thing for my grandmother. So, I mean, but what well, I guess where did that come from? I mean, I can't let you go on without telling me, like, how did you come to that that idea? That, I mean, you kind of went into a little bit, but I I'm just curious to hear more about like how how that's manifested and like, you know, how, how what does everybody else think about you feeling that way? Have you guys ever heard of Lionsgate? Yes. Cool. No. So Lionsgate is August 8th through 12th. Eighth, well, actually, it's a little bit bigger window than that. But it, the strongest day is August 8th, so 8-8. Eight, eight. And it's when Sirius, the star Sirius, and the sun and the pyramid in Giza all line up, like in one line. And so you know, some people, I'm one of them, believe it's like a really potent energy portal, right? Like there's an alignment and there's the opportunity. So... It's so funny. I always, I'm a big believer in intention. Like if anyone stumbles across my page, you're going to be like, wow, this girl really cares about being intentional. And so I always say like for any journey, even recreational, like have an intention, have a clear intention. Um, And you're always getting exactly what you need and not necessarily what you want from the medicine. So it's Lionsgate. It's a few years ago, like maybe four years ago at this point. And my intention is for creativity in my business. Like, how can I better speak to my ideal client? La, la, la. And I'm at the beach. I have a notebook. I'm like really excited to take this tab, connect and see what comes through. And my journey goes like so somewhere else. And it just like I said before, like I sometimes just seem to know things and people don't really like understand how I know it. Or maybe they think I was spying or you know, I don't know, I cheated or something. And it just like all kind of came whooshing over me. And it was like, no, like, you are her. Like this, I was never meant to be at that time. And it explained so much about my relationships with my family. 
and how I'd had this really weird feel. I've always had this weird feeling of like being named after this like baby that died. Right. Um, and it just, it really settled and it felt like truth. Like it didn't feel emotional, super in a super emotional way or didn't feel like, I don't know. It was, it was very calm. And that's how I feel intuition. Like intuition to me is calm. It's not fear. It's not anxious. It's not second guessing. It's just a knowing. And so I haven't ever shared this with my mom because I don't think she'd be super receptive. She's still very Catholic and I would never want to hurt her feelings or like make her upset. Um, and my grandparents already passed at this time, but people who I share it with, like in my inner circle or, you know, even when I tell clients about like what's possible for them, through psychedelic use like are very receptive and like yeah no one's ever been like no it's not or whatever is that uh i mean i assume that means that you have some belief in reincarnation to some degree if like you believe that that bubble was there and now that bubble is you yeah there's something that i really want to share i don't think i'm going to put it in the best words possible but so you know how some people you meet you just sort of like seem to click. Yeah, Joel. Yeah, okay, perfect. Huskies. <laughs> I make um, kissy noises. Me. <laughs> there's this theory that like, you know, at another point, at another time, maybe you were both part of the same bubble or like you were two molecules of water next to each other in the ocean or, you know, two grains of sand together on the beach. And because I like the bubble analogy because once a bubble comes off and it like has its own experience and then the experience ends in this world and the bubble goes back into like the larger bubble, it's never going to be the exact same bubble again. Right. So I don't think we get reincarnated in the exact same form. Like I'm exactly this person. So even when I think about my aunt, I don't think I'm like a hundred percent the exact person that she would have been, but I feel very influenced and like a big part of me is who she could have been or would have been or almost was. Awesome. Wild to, to think too, that you could uh, keep it in the family and carry on. Uh, also, if that is what, what happens with energy transference, if, uh, you know, go find another flesh vessel to, to inhabit, right. You know, <laughs> flesh vessel, yeah. <laughs> or a meat no, suit, a as Eric to likes to call us a, a lot too. I think I've said me too a few times. I reference yeah. shitty movies. I maybe not shitty. I was referencing Men in Black. I think when right. Andrew puts on the, Men in the Black Two and, and One. Yeah, I'm 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 a pop culture problem. I'm sorry. I saw Gremlins for the first time recently. Holy Lord! How is it just the first time recently? I don't know. I'm old, so maybe that's yeah. Why. Me me too. I loved how bad it was. I was so obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time it wasn't bad like at the time it was, was it not like it was it was it was state of the art like it was really Muppety and and great yeah that was never like well, a B movie back then this was the 84 you're either terrified or you're laughing and, and well or sometimes a little of both i took half I had, an edible and then i watched it and i was could not stop laughing I was a little afraid to show it because I have kids and like I was afraid to show it to them because I remember it, it freaked me out as a kid and then I yeah, started watching with too. them and they're like it didn't even phase them it was so dumb like yeah, it, it like doesn't that. hold up man it doesn't no. hold up uh, we uh, we have progressed with uh, shock value and horror and things I, I think special effects like right. Muppets, well, yeah especially that robots especially like, that did you watch part two though part two is like even worse 
yeah, cartoons is, like they intentionally just worse. made it corny as shit because they didn't they couldn't they couldn't even make it slightly horror. So if you get a chance, it's got Hulk Hogan in it, it's got all sorts of weird shit. Like there's show tunes. It's yeah. It's wild. It's like Gremlins I, Take New York or something. I form really intense connections to characters and so I watch the first five minutes and the little gremlin like gets displaced or whatever because they bombed the building and i was so sad for him <laughs> like i think i gotta turn this <laughs> off i'm like kind of i'm getting upset is he gonna be okay <laughs> oh shit i all love right, well, him the so but yeah let's recircle yeah. all right, all right <laughs> breathe um no i was gonna get into like so uh you were you went from executive coaching you started uh, getting into psychedelics more and decided that that was the way to pivot. Did you have any, like anybody that was coaching you or was it more organic and you just figured out how to do it? Like, how did you learn to microdose and how did you, and what were your goals for that? Like what, you know, what were you trying to like fix for you? If that makes sense. Yeah. So it's funny. Like I don't feel like I made it my business. I feel like it made it my business. So you know how there is a, maybe you don't, but there's a certain type of mushroom that has been engineered so when ants eat it like they're they become like bombs and they go back to their little colony and they like will blow themselves up basically um so it's weird like i truly believe in the sentience of mushrooms and like paul stamets almost like i don't know if he said this word for word but what i've gotten from what he said is almost feels like the mushrooms have been directing him to be the biggest advocate in the western world um so i don't know if maybe they did it to me because it was not my intention at all people just started coming to me like i want you to teach me how to microdose will you teach me how to microdose what are you doing how are you doing it blah 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 blah. and suddenly like it became my business but that was never my goal or intention um so when I first got into it, I read the book, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. I think it's a freaking amazing book. If anyone's interested, that's where I started. And then I really dove into the research. So before I went to law school, I thought I wanted to go to med school. And in undergrad, I was obsessed with like the mind-body connection and consciousness and all of these things. But I worked in a lab. And so I love research papers. Like you could give me a research paper and I would just be pouring over page after page of little printed words and wanting to know the findings and were they statistically significant. Um, and then I started to kind of like piece together different courses from like maps um, and other and other places. And I've since found like teachers, like indigenous teachers and like true like curanderas, curanderos, like medicine people. Um, but my training has been very like hodgepodge and it wasn't from one source. But my intention when I was doing it just for myself was a lot of my intentions, as you'll hear about business, and then I get other things. But this one, I did actually get <laughs> the business intention. But I kind of felt like I had been reaching this like glass ceiling. And I was like, I just can't kind of get beyond this level. And I feel like it's an energy thing more than like a strategy thing. So I'm going to microdose and see what happens. And then I microdosed. And now a lot of people microdose. <laughs> So uh, yeah, a little little book learning, a little bit of everything to uh, to to, and then a, a lot of experience, and then you basically just transformed it into a business through people that that already knew you that were already asking about it. Is that how it all kind of started from there? That's how it started. There are people who I had already been connected with, and then people started like find. Okay, so when I first got into it, like reels were the new thing on Instagram. So also it was like kind of divine timing, and Instagram would push my reels so much, like. I would just get so much reach and 
like every reel was almost taking off you know like a thousand was a low amount of views and stuff for me it was just crazy um and i didn't have a large audience at all and so you know instagram was pushing my stuff out and people are finding me and messaging me like that's really how i grew my audience was i was just kind of at the right place at the right time doing this thing that was super like catchy is it is it uh, something that you do on site or is it all remote or like how does it work? I assume it's a lot of remote things because if people are reaching you across the the planet, then they're probably uh, just zooming with you or something to 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 learn. Or how does that work? Microdosing remote because that is a much safer option. Like not that microdosing isn't safe. I don't want to say it's not safe, but like you can do it sort of on your own in a way that isn't going to be as overwhelming because like a journey is a lot it's just a lot full stop um so i'll teach you like exactly how to microdose set you up with the best schedule for your particular goal you know teach you do and do not pro tips set you up with a practice that's going to help you get the most out of it because research shows us that the neuroplasticity and the neurogenesis really stick when you pair it with intentional learning. That whole thing is remote. However, if you want to go on a journey and you want to experience a larger dose, so like two grams and up, then you got to come to me or I go places sometimes and facilitate journeys, but those are all in person. Are those with groups or just with individuals? How does that work? I have done private SIP. I really prefer... Um, retreat or like group sits because mm -hmm. this practice like indigenously was about communal healing right like it was never we're so as individual like in western society obsessed with individual like the psyche of the individual and pathologizing the individual and like i need to work on my own trauma and you know my teacher looked at me funny in third grade like in indigenous tribes and more you know pre-modern society it was about collectively healing as a group and it wasn't so pinpointed on everyone's unique hurts, but rather like alchemizing, alchemizing the whole. Okay. So if, if you're doing uh, an individual and, and mm -hmm. coaching them, I guess like what, what is there to expect? I mean, I assume you're, you're, you're probably slightly a therapist to some degree or do you not get into that or is it just uh helping with set and setting and, and and dosage and frequency like so from the microdosing perspective then yeah, yeah okay um so i'm not a therapist um however i can see where like people would feel like those are similar so i had a very I, i've done therapy um and i did not like it i don't think i probably had like the best therapist in the world i'm sure there are amazing therapists and like if you're listening and are therapists or love your therapist and love therapy, that's amazing for you. I'm so happy you found something that works. I personally found it, and maybe it's like the style I did, to be very re-traumatizing. It was all like, your dad died, and then your mom fucked you up, and now you are the way you are because of that. And let's talk about your dad dying every week and why you should blame your mom. And I was like, okay, okay, maybe this is true, but like, how do I move forward? It didn't feel very future-oriented. So when I thought about like how I wanted to help people, which was kind of always the thing, like I became a lawyer because I thought I would help people. And then I realized I really wasn't helping anyone. So again, when I was reorganizing my career, redeciding, I still wanted to help people. And I was so sort of turned off by therapy because it felt so mired in the past and like past bullshit. And coaching felt very future oriented, like, okay, maybe we get to heal part of this, but then we're also always like taking a step in a new direction instead of continually like peering backwards 
And um, so coaching is much more, it's much more future oriented. And I mean, I, again, I think there are tons of probably great therapists. I just didn't have one that I thought was great, but people do tell me like they have done a lot of therapy and they always like coaching more than they do their therapy experiences. And I just think it's a difference in perspective and, you know, maybe there are also more roles on kind of what a therapist can and cannot say. Um, whereas like, if I feel like, you know, you're kind of getting in your own way, like I'm the type of coach who's going to call you on your bullshit. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was, right out but, the gate, I mean, coaching is, is something that therapists aren't really, I mean, they're supposed to guide you to find the answers within yourself rather than like giving you any sort of actual advice. So like that would, uh, the, I can see why coaching would be more, uh, attractive if you're looking for more of that sort of like, can you give me some tips or actual like advice? You know? Yeah. Ultimately the work is no matter what you choose to do, it's always with yourself. Nobody's actually fixing shit for you. But I think the only reason I think I asked that is because I think we have, I've talked to, I have friends and like we talked to people that have done like ketamine therapy at home and they, they don't get a lot of attention, but they do have to, they're being asked to journal. And again, it's them figuring shit out, but they're supposed to like, set setting do it journal and like then and and go from there so i assume that that's kind of what i was asking like what part of if that's part of it or how that works yeah it's definitely part of it um i used to not necessarily like structure it into all the things i like had more of a sort of like a diy option and i do think it was great for some people but i think for most people i realized like the support is really key and having more access to me so now i don't really offer like any options that don't have that because I think processing a lot can come up a lot inevitably will come up and I want you to have the space to process it with support because it can be really overwhelming to have to like process all this shit on your own. Well, going, going back to one thing you did say, um, so the change your mind book, uh, is that the same, is that the same author that did they get the show change how to change your mind from that book as well? Yeah. But the show like, Oh my God. <laughs> I really, I gotta say, before you give your opinion, I really, really enjoyed the show. But I imagine the book is a lot more in depth into actual uh, experiences and things like that. Yeah, I just, I mean, I know obviously a show you have to produce, like it's dramatized, and like I'm gonna own it, like put my little hand up. I'm always been that snob, even since I was a kid. I was like, the movie wasn't nearly as good as the book. Like I was always that yeah. bitch, so <laughs> I'll just like say that that's true and it's who I am. But it just kind of felt like kitschy compared to the book. Well, but I, I mean, if now it I gets, have to read the book though. So yeah, there's... I mean, he's an amazing author, and if the show helped people like destigmatize and open their minds and all sorts of things, then like awesome, like good for the show. I am looking forward to to seeing what happens with. Um, that whole world with uh, psychedelics moving forward to see like if it is more accepted uh, in the mainstream world as far as like uh, medicine is concerned and and just like accepted uh, by other people as far as judgments and things like that. So, uh, you know, as long as it's not abused in the ways that it can be uh, looking at you, TikTok. Um <laughs> I was like, who's he pointing you know, at? There's only three of us. I was, <laughs> very I was like, I know it's not me. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I was like, he seems pretty even killed. 
he reminded me of something and i kind of oh i listened to another podcast recently that basically said was talking about how antidepressants are placebos and adhd is something something but there was this big study two summers ago that came out and basically said like we there's no statistically significant evidence that ssris actually do shit and like have anything to do with depression but i do think they like help people kind of you know stop feeling some of their feelings so in that way they're sort of abandoned well yeah it does keep you from experiencing full experience from um mushrooms and yeah and psychedelics so maybe there's a connection there (laughs) maybe yeah i mean (laughs) i've been on prozac like i did not i did not enjoy it but i think the more we're seeing that like the things we've been shoveled for so long about like our food and pharmaceuticals and even like education is like we're starting to really wake up and you know which came first the chicken or the egg because obviously psychedelics do promote like different states of consciousness and then we had the whole hippie movement so you know who knows what precipitated what but i think the rise in it is really helping us just be more curious like instead of blindly accepting everything we hear it sounds like it's almost like a a backwards way because i mean i've been on a bunch of stuff too like i probably a laundry list of different you know uh mind altering legal things that the doctor gave me but all of them like what i was saying was like were more of a detachment and maybe they were good at the time because like when things are tough and things things are overwhelming with anxiety or whatever you take those things and they honestly again they they push you more away where where and i i've since stopped all those things and that's why you know my mental health journey is forever because it's all it's trash up here uh but but it's like (laughs) almost the the other way with like i think with these these psychedelic therapies where it's like it's opening up things and and maybe it's it's feeling more and and healing that way instead of like being away from it and and feeling less but but again i don't i don't dismiss it because i think it sometimes like like when i had to take those things that's what i wanted i wanted less of the world i wanted less uh I wanted to feel like less things were, were, were crushing me. So it's just, uh, it's, it's interesting, like, um, just contrast in those, I think those two different ways of doing things. Yeah. I mean, absolutely no shame in the, in the medication game. I think it does work for some people. And for those people, I'm so happy. I know some people feel like they have to do it though, because they don't feel like there's an alternative. And so just for those people who like know they don't want to, but feel trapped, I love being able to just have a conversation even with them and say like, hey, there are other options for you. Like one woman I recently worked with, she was on an SNRI, um, but she didn't like it, didn't like the way she felt. And she had this whole therapy situation with her family and she felt like she would just cry and just be so sad and she would emotionally flood which is a a common thing that people are learning more about but she said after she got off of it using microdosing she finally was able to feel other emotions so she was actually starting to feel anger and other things that she hadn't felt in so long and like Mm. she felt that she was actually making progress towards something because the emotions that had been like pushed down were finally coming up that's awesome yeah I've I've heard that. I mean, I, I I think I've experienced it, but I don't know. I'm I'm a dude, and I'm too tough to cry and all that shit. So, crying uh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> no, I mean, I just like I didn't feel that as much, but I, I remember like my mom saying things like that, like when that she was like, I just wish I could cry and things like that. Mm-hmm. But well, she's fine. She's she's a tough woman. Don't don't you don't you make sad faces about my mom. We're gonna have that in this podcast. I don't know. You couldn't hear that or see that people listening but she made a face when she made that noise and she's sad face of my mom That's i hope right. you go cry tonight i hope i make you cry i think crying is important 
I, I, there's probably some jokes there. I don't have them right now, though. I'm, I'm no, I genuinely love to make people cry. That's how I feel like I like I earned my money for that day. If someone cries, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. Just helping them like walk through their feelings or like, how do you make them cry? I guess. People, have you never experienced breath work? At least from the, like, the kind I facilitate, it is very like intense. And so people do often cry like who don't think they're going to cry and they're not even sure why they're crying, but it's like a really big emotional release. And then I don't think I've ever had someone, well, no, I've never facilitated a journey for someone like a bigger journey, like, you know, two or more grams where they didn't cry. I think I, I when I was talking to you before, like that was just something that I, part of something I wanted to try that was that as well. Cause like, I think I'd, I'd, I've watched people doing breath work before and like, and watching them like, lose control, bring your own pillow and your blanket and then just cry in front of strangers. But, but yeah, I, 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 something that I was interested in, but you also facilitate those. And I think you said you do those online as well or. Yeah. Breathwork. I love facilitating a person. So I have like a breathwork program. That's all like pre-recorded classes that were like live online, but now you can watch and, you know, go through, or I will sometimes take people through like a private, um, virtual session, but I love when I either get to facilitate breathwork at my retreats or um, people pretty regularly ask me to come to their retreats just to facilitate breathwork, like nothing about mushrooms, just to facilitate that practice for their people. But yeah, I mean, it, it is super powerful and that's been one of the biggest things for me on my journey. And that's something like I regularly practice and it's helped me so much. Uh, what what kinds of things do people come to you to, to work on? Oh, wowzers. Let me pull up my document. Um, okay. Anxiety and depression, number one by far. Um, a lot of people recently are coming to me because they have ADHD and they don't want to, they either have like over medicated themselves with Adderall, Vyvanse, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they want to find a natural solution to controlling their ADHD symptoms. A lot of people who like, feel like they're doing all of the things they just don't feel fulfilled like on paper their lives are perfect and they make a lot of money and they have a good family and blah 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 but like there's they're missing an inner sense of like purpose purpose is a big word i hear uh stuck feeling stuck or like something is missing like there has to be more to life wow people very, working on like oh go ahead <laughs> like existential things it sounds like lots of existential dread which is what, what we're, we're here for yeah yeah no i mean ex that's a great yes existential dread is the biggest symptom i receive <laughs> it sounds like yeah it's a lot of people that are on maybe realizing that the the pharmaceuticals aren't aren't the things that are going to fix them so uh that's why they come to you well, you know, I, I think about pharmaceuticals and alcohol and even for some people, weed, like depending on how much, you know, how often you smoke as like people think like, oh, I'm going to drink away this hard evening or whatever, right after work. Like, oh, I had a tough day. I'm going to drink and then it's going to go away or I'm going to take this pill and then it's going to go away. No, no, no. If we don't like actively deal with it, it like it's put on pause, but it does not by any means like suddenly disappear. So, you know, that's why maybe you drank after work, but then a week later you're like, oh my God, I'm still hanging on to this conversation I had on my boss. Or when people do come off of pharmaceuticals, it kind of like intensifies and you can even go below baseline because none of that stuff really disappeared. It was just put on the shelf. And now the thing that was keeping it on the shelf is gone and all the books are falling off. You can think of it like the elf on the shelf then. So like when it moves... <laughs> <laughs> yep, that little bit. Action. 
Uh, you had mentioned to me, I think, that part of what intrigued you about this, and it's because you were so intrigued. This is the best. You could not do better than this. This is the, the pinnacle of podcasting. Not really. Joel's parents love it, though. I'll tell you that. I haven't had a Joel's yeah, parents reference in a while. parents love it. Um, biggest, biggest fans. Not, not of me, of him. They probably think I'm a dick because I make jokes to, and Joel's like, why did you say that? And I'm like, it's a joke. This is not all serious. Uh, anyway, but, Hi, but mom and dad. you know, a lot of it is the story and that's kind of like, we're curious, like, you know, you know, you have that story for you, but you also have that for some of the people that you've worked with that you thought were, would be interesting to share. So I was curious about some of those, like how you, some of your success stories that are, that are fun. Yeah. So I guess I'll preface this with a story about myself because I think it, it like to me, it's very validating of this woman's experience. It's like, no, it's not just like something she like says happened. Like I've actually experienced this too, but I felt it in a different way. Like I was getting a Reiki massage before I was taking the California bar and I was very stressed out. Like the California bar is notoriously hard. I obviously wanted to pass and um, I felt my dad touch me like on my shoulder and I just knew it was my dad and it was like a very calming presence and it was very emotional. I started crying, but I'm facilitating breath work at a retreat a few years ago. And this woman comes up to me after and she is like so happily crying and she's like, I need to tell you something. And so I guess her daughter died when she was a child. Um, and she said she like her daughter came to her and like grabbed her hand during breath work and was like holding her hand. I was so emotional saying this because this woman was so emotional. Like I could see it in her face. And she was like, I mean, you, I don't know. I don't have a kid. I can only imagine probably the worst thing you're going to feel in your entire life if your kid dies before you. And it's just like, she was so moved by this experience of feeling that connection. Like she was safe. She was happy, you know, wherever she was, whatever she was at that point. But that was really like, to me, the one that always stands out, but, I hear that especially from breathwork of like seeing people who have passed, connecting with them, holding their hands, feeling them touch them. And it just almost like kind of dissolves the veil in a bit because you do enter a non-ordinary state of a state of consciousness. Like holotropic breathwork was created by Stanislav Grob in response to criminalization of psychedelics in the 70s. And it was supposed to reproduce things that's similar to psychedelics, like brain waves and brave states. So mm -hmm. to hear people share these experiences of connection is just like so powerful because there's nothing like you, that's a gift you could never give someone, right? Like that's beyond. Why do you think that is with the, the breathwork? Why is that different? I mean, I think that there's somebody like we interviewed somebody that said that like they thought it was a like a DMT release or something that within the body that that causes that. Like what's what I guess what's the difference in those two experiences in a, to a degree? You know what I mean? Mm, okay. Like the, yeah. the different types of success. Because like you said, mostly in breath work, do people like have these reach out moments with like relatives and things? Like what do you think the difference is between those therapies? So I'll say mostly in breath work, people have more like like visceral experiences because I, everyone, including myself, will say like they saw what was beyond the veil and they connected with like loved ones who have passed in psychedelic experiences. But people feel like they can actually like make contact when they um, are doing breath work. And so there are a couple of different things. A, every medicine really does feel different, right? Ayahuasca feels different from acid, feels different from mushrooms. And like all of those medicines have their own sort of mm, flavor, right? It's like an ice cream shop yeah. versus breath work. You're, it's your own medicine completely, right? You're breathing, you're producing the chains. And so this hasn't been scientifically proven, but there is some like anecdotal research that like, so you're the style that I facilitate, you're pushing on your pituitary gland. 
um, and your pineal gland, like the you're forcing all this air and it's like creating pressure. And so you're, you are experiencing some people say, right? Like, again, there's not hardcore research out there. Like there is a psychedelic yeah. that you're producing DMT in your body in a way that you can actually metabolize. So that's, what's interesting about ayahuasca. You have to have the vine and the leaf in order to make the DMT like processable by your body. If you didn't have both components, like the MAO and MAOI inhibitor, like you just, we wouldn't process it the same way in order to like activate the DMT. And so because you're like, you know, I do believe like activating the DMT, you're getting your own unique experience that is completely self-sourced. And I think it also comes on so much quicker, right? Like breathwork is 30 minutes, but people can really freaking go somewhere, like have an intense vision. Whereas 30 minutes, you're just like, you're just enjoying the come up. If you do mushrooms, like you're not anywhere yet, really. Um, Different medicine, different feeling. But I mean, the biggest thing in psychedelics, I always feel like, for me and for everyone I work with is people start to like really know, not just believe or think, but know that there's something so much bigger than this, than this room and this conversation, than us three, than even all of our like communities and families. Like there is something beyond, I don't know exactly what it mm-hmm. is or what it looked like, but it's, it's more. And it's often like, you know, if we're reduced to one word, like it's reduced to love, like, Cheesy as it sounds, love does end up being the answer. It's a love for ourselves, for everyone else, and a realization—a realization that separation is an illusion. Like we are not different. When we hurt someone else, we're hurting ourselves. We're hurting part of like the collective bubble. So when we can love ourselves and love other people, we're like uniting the collective bubble. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Um, so I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. And, you know, they, from the Bible, they, they bring up that God is love. And really, I think that's more of a literal thing that people kind of just overlook uh, a lot of the times. Um, I'll just leave that there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is, right? It's not this judgment or don't do, don't eat fish or do eat fish or don't get a tattoo or you know, don't have pigs or don't eat lobster. It's like, who cares about all these things? Just love. Like I hiked the Inca trail this summer. Um, I've always been super obsessed with like Incan culture. I don't, you know, maybe that was part of this bigger divine plan, but talking about how they view God is like, God were literally things that like gave us energy. So they view God as the sun and as the earth and as water and, as being supported, like it was all these things that supported them, that like loved them and nourished them. And uh, that was like the closest I've ever felt to like having a true, like transcendent religious experience of like, no, this is for sure God, like hiking the Inca Trail and like learning about all of those things. And microdosing while I was doing it. Communion in nature. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. With nature. Yeah, with nature. In nature, with nature, it's the same, right? They were both, both things. Yeah. I'll accept both. I'll accept both. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Semantics over here, I love it. You can't, you can't like experience, like, you know, with nature if it's not there. Like, yeah, I know you're going to FaceTime nature. How else are you going to experience it, Joel? So I believe you were You correct. know, I was walking in the forest with my fiance and we both got to watch a tree fall and we were like, damn. All these people that weren't here for this, you know, they, they won't know if it really made a sound. That's really cool. 
<laughs> I've always wanted to see, I, he's actually, um, what's his name? Oh my God. He's my favorite philosopher. Well, not, not totally your favorite. You don't even remember his name. I, I know I'm blanking. Yeah. I do this sometimes. You point that out. Oh my God. B? Make- Is it with a B? Anyway. Um, but yeah, like he basically argues, right? Like if so no one's there to perceive it, it's not, it's not real. Yeah, I was so many things like that. Schrodinger's yeah. cat, like uh, yeah, just, I, I, I'm butchering that because I'm not very smart. Same, but like, but yeah, there's the. I don't, even, I don't even want to get into that. I'm not smart enough to explain. But it is like Schrodinger's cat, right? Like we don't really know if the cat is alive or dead, and you know if the cat died in the box and no one perceived it. Did it happen? I don't know. We don't know. In my in my box, my cat is grilling a pizza. So that's really. All I yeah. Okay. Hmm. That's a really random thing to say. <laughs> but it sounds Do you delicious. grill pizzas a lot? Sure. No. I've never personally grilled a pizza. <laughs> I'm so interested in this mechanism for pizza. <laughs> Joel, you have to explain yourself now. One time. One time you grilled a pizza? Yeah. One time. Okay. Must have turned it was, out well. It was over a decade ago, though. Yeah, he still remembers it. Yeah. That one time I did it and never, ever did it again after that. Anyway, <laughs> I need to find the name of this philosopher. All right. Well, it's not immediately coming up. All right. I'm going to figure You're this good. out on my own You're afterwards. Good. Don't set you guys in this. So, yeah. Let's, so, anyway, Berkeley, going back Berkeley. to this really important philosopher's quote. Uh, His name is Berkeley. Good. I remember it now. Berkeley. Oh, that's what you said at the first time. You just forgot that you said that as I edit this together to make it correct. Sound like you that's what I time. said the first time. I've always known <laughs> in my head it was very prominent. Well, was there any other examples? I, I kind of we kind of went off on a tangent. Yeah, that, but like I didn't, know, um, I didn't know if you had other stories you had. Um. Okay. Actually, I have another one with like a tangible that just happened at my most recent retreat. So this woman, she. Um, had experienced the loss of her father and her uncle. Her uncle had just said her father had been for a few years. And she said both her father and her uncle like came to her and said that they were all right. And, you know, everything was okay. And right at the moment as she was kind of like coming down from the trip, she felt like her dad like grabbed her hand and like kind of gave it a squeeze, like a reassurance, like it's okay. You know, you can let us go. Um, you don't need to feel, she had felt some guilt because like the hospital mismanaged her dad's death and she had internalized that like, maybe I should have been a better advocate or blah, blah, blah. Um, when really obviously it was the hospital's fault. And, um, she also had this really cool experience where she had this tornado in her mind. And so like her family and sort of the family dramas were entering the tornado and they were like really gray and smoky and like dirty. And then when they popped out of the tornado, they were like white and clean and like had a, like a different energy to them. And she felt like she had sort of like done this healing process for her family in her trip. Like she had taken it on and successfully taken everyone through a healing process. So that was a really cool, um, awesome. really cool experience. And I do feel like the people who I think you hear a lot, maybe you do. I've heard a lot about like geometric shapes and colors and, these sort of yeah. like patterns. And sometimes I wonder if those things that we're seeing like are like God or when I say God, I, I don't really mean like the dude with the beard in the sky. I mean, this like greater consciousness, yeah. the bubble. I wonder if that's like God trying to show itself to us, like to try to 
put itself into terms of like what we can process, like something that we could really see and understand. Um, because when I sat with ayahuasca, not the night with the baby, but the night before, I had these like really big colors and shapes and moving patterns. And I felt this like crazy amount of love and it almost felt like too much. And it, it felt like this was the love we can always feel, but we don't always allow ourselves to feel that depth of love because it can be overwhelming. And I felt love as not like an armor, but almost and not a weapon, but sort of like a gift that I could like the love was emanating from me and I could share it and I could spread it. And like that could be my blessing in the world. Um, but it, it really is. I mean, if you want to connect with someone and get some sort of closure, I almost guarantee like <laughs> you're going to have some sort of experience if you do choose to, you know, sit with lots of different psychedelics because I had a very profound experience that first time of ayahuasca with my dad and like connecting with him and, you know, hearing it's okay. Like, you know, I'm still here. I didn't really need that one from him because I've always kind of felt that, but I had a dog who had recently died. And so like seeing her and like, that was very emotional to me because it's, I mean, it just sucks. Like you just have this experience right before the podcast, Joel of like, mm -hmm. Oh, my dog is going to die at some point. But like when your dog actually dies, it is like the worst thing in the entire world and you're holding the dog in the vet's office. And it's like, Oh my God. So yeah. having that closure was really powerful. Yeah, and I think the thing we always ask everybody, and you're, you're kind of already diving into it now, but it's like, and you kind of got into it earlier, but it's like, you know, I guess it went for you, like, what is your, you kind of get your interpretation of like God and all that stuff, but what to you, like, what is, what happens when you, when you die? Like, what do you think it. is, oh, he did it. What'd I do? He did it. I, I was surprised you were going to ask it already. <laughs> got that trans it was a, it was the time it was the time, time where she it's was already time. saying it i have not like i don't have more questions well uh, <laughs> do you want me to answer it no we, i just ask questions out loud to podcast guests and i expect him to just Joel looks me. like mad he's like i don't, think <laughs> I don't know I'm, try I'm trying to figure it out he's, <laughs> he's freaking me out a little bit so i think we you and i are on the same page i don't know where, where Joel's at it. right now he's scaring me um i didn't make this like phrase I'm not the first person to have said this phrase, but it is truly how I feel. And I guess I'll elaborate with my unique flavor of this phrase, but I do think that we are all, um, what's the first word? Like not perpetual. Persistent. Uh, yeah. Constant? Like never ending. Forever? I feel like we're yeah. a never ending souls that are having a temporary human experience, right? We're from somewhere else, not this physical like world. We're from some like a different dimension timeline whatever and we're here to experience the physical of like the pleasures of eating food and having sex and feeling pain and getting hurt and like um feeling the sun on your face and being in a very corporal tangible experience because i feel like we are all like floating bubbles or souls or whatever and so most of the time we're in there and we're kind of in a perfect state and we're playing out like the drama and the things that are exciting and fun but because you have these high highs like you also have to have these low lows and i think this is a really unique experience i think all of us who are here right now really wanted to come here and experience this and sometimes we forget that like i believe in things like soul contracts and karma like that i chose to be here even on those days where i'm like mom i did not fucking ask for this mm -hmm. um but yeah we're temporary much much more um, 
ephemeral souls having a very temporary human experience. I really, I really like that temporary human experience uh, explanation. T H E the. It's uh simple and and nice. Thank you. <laughs> it seems to be a common thing, which is kind of cool. That like if that's the could be the new norm because I think that uh, probably brings more people together than everything else that just makes everybody shitty and tears tears them apart and makes everybody so divisive. So yeah, yeah I mean Dante's Inferno was cool, but I don't think anyone's going to hell. So. That's probably maybe the the podcast title, uh, the temporary human experience. I can dig it. You have you have something that, that you didn't want me did want to ask before I asked that question, guy? No. No, no, I, I just didn't I didn't know if we were already at the end of your questions. No, typically I, I, that's the last I'm just it's it's towards the end. I'm just rolling with it. We we usually don't have this much drama. I don't know. Maybe you guys are so cute. You're like an old married couple. (laughs) We are. Well, you know, he can't cook an egg worth shit, but we're still friends. I can grill a pizza like the best of them, though. Whatever that means, I'm not sure. He can grill a pizza. pizza. I'm gonna figure out how to make this work. I'm gonna grill a pizza now. You can do it. It works. I believe in you. It's like a wood fire pizza, but. Uh, I don't know why I haven't done it again. Well, I guess like, is there, is there anything that uh, you would like to cover and let people know about what you do Uh, and not just the sales pitch? Cause we're definitely going to make sure that like your, your links and all those things are available like all over down there. I'm pointing like they're not using the video, but it would be down there if it was a, if you were clicking on a video somewhere around the shit you're listening to is a button that will, that will take you to all the things that you do. Uh, but what would you want people to know uh, about you and how, why they, why they should come find you? I guess, I don't know. Sales pitch go. Um, I think two really important things. One, the first one I just want to say is like, I know that not every, some people might be listening to this conversation and think like, oh my God, like they're being so nonchalant about these things and psychedelics. And um, I know everyone has a different experience. I know everyone grew up in a different time and a different background. And so if if this is like a really jarring conversation, um, like, hey, I guess thanks for listening this far. Maybe you didn't, but um, (laughs) I... You know, microdosing is so different than macrodosing. And so I just, I, I want to put that into perspective of people for people. It's like, you're not, you're not really feeling it, right? It's not about tripping or anything like that. You're not going to trip, but it is producing some really positive, powerful effects in your brain. And if you're feeling like, oh my God, I've, I've tried so many things and like, I just don't feel good. Maybe it's worth just exploring and having a conversation and learning more or reading something or, you know, doing a little bit more research because I would hate to think that like stigma or dogma or a lack of like awareness around something prevented you from finding something that could really, really help you and has really, really helped so many people. Um, it's just like having an open mind and, and realizing like it, you, you're going to find your medicine. I just want to say that to anyone who's struggling, like, if you're really having a hard time, I know that you will find it. It's just about listening to yourself and following those intuitive nudges of, of what do you need. Um, and then I think some people like can microdose on their own and like kind of figure it out and have really positive experiences. But I know a lot more people who struggle to find the right schedule, the right dosage, like what to pair it with. 
um, you know, struggling to handle all the emotions. So, you know, if you are listening to this and you feel like, oh, I kind of have this figured out, I'm so happy for you. That's beautiful. Um, but just know, like, you know, like some people can go to the gym on their own and it's totally fine and they hit their goals and they don't hurt themselves and they change their physique and they don't need or like particularly want a trainer. That's so cool. I'm so happy for you. A lot of people want or looking for or need that guidance in order to reach their goals and like that's you know that's me i'm like the the mental trainer to make sure that you're getting the most out of your microdosing practice so they're definitely two different people i respect both of them um but yeah just know if like you haven't gotten the results you want like don't let that stop you maybe there was something off in your process or your schedule or how you were approaching it um and i'm you know always more than happy just to have a conversation with you like someone wants to email me or dm me or anything Thing. like I'm very friendly I'm, I'm very approachable and we can talk so um yeah I just don't be discouraged wherever you are out there and I know that there is so much more for you in this world yeah I think that you know you are more on the forefront of like more modern medicine because I think you know these are things that they are trying you know for people with PTSD and like you know they're saving veterans with this stuff and they're they're finding that like you know and, I, and maybe it doesn't work be, like they don't want it to work because we aren't making millions of dollars out the pharmaceutical industry if people are just doing something that that's natural uh that that can help and i think that you know ultimately you are the forefront of this stuff and like what you're doing is more the future you're just kind of in front of it so i would also add that to your sales pitch that like it's it's going it hopefully or it seems like it might be something that is more in the norm uh going forward once people realize that there are there are other options than just being uh fed these things that kind of can numb you from from the doctors which again like i know a lot of people on them but like it's it's you know there's just things other things to try uh and you know especially with breath work that's like that's you can't can't regulate that because that's just you like you're just you're you're just you by yourself can can do something that's kind of i want to say is it supernatural or something i don't know it's it's within us but but it's 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 psychedelic and it's 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 part of you and you can't regulate that unless i don't know i'm sure the government would find a way to bill you for it but like so yeah i think there's there's lots of cool things out there that 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 you could do that won't uh limit you so yeah i think i would say you're you're ahead of the curve you're my gonna be my new doctor my my regular doctor it's you now <laughs> well, hold on. I mean, no, no, no. I just said what I'm doing. I don't need your feedback. I've already decided. Oh, okay. No, okay, go ahead. I guess you, you, you tell me what's up. <laughs> I was going to say, I heard a really cool quote once that like Western medicine is actually alternative medicine because it's like treating symptoms versus like treating root cause. And that yeah. really stuck with me. I was like, oh shit. Like, and again, if my arm was fucking broken, you better believe I get my little ass into the ER and like have right. someone set it and all that stuff. Like I'm right. not a medical denier or whatever. Like I, I go to the doctor, I get my blood panels, but like I had, okay. I had um acid reflux when I was younger and they wanted to put me on like Prilosec. And I was like, wait, I mean, I'm still gonna, this is just covering up the discomfort. Like I'm still messing up my esophagus, stomach, whatever. How about I change my diet so I don't have acid reflux anymore instead of taking this pill. And that to me was like kind of Western medicine in a very generalized nutshell. Yeah, but it's for people like me who also still takes Prilosec because I'm like, I should change my diet. And they're like, nah, fuck that hot wings, peppers, like 
So I've made a choice. So I'm glad it exists for that reason because I know yeah. the right thing to do. I'm just not going to do it because a it product fucking of boring. deniers and denial. A product of denial. <laughs> I like that example though. I'm glad that example just hit home. Like and not like I didn't feel slighted. I, I I'm aware of what I'm doing. I'm like I'm causing all sorts of damage, but I, you know you got to figure out like how to be happy too at the same time. Yeah. So take that pilot sec. <laughs> no one's gonna sponsor your podcast. Right. Sponsored yeah, by, by Pilot Sec. I don't know. You said that Nexium cult, and that was my first joke. Was like that's another Harbor Man, right? But we actually need to go back to that for just one second. So I just want to to verify. You you did say you were a member of the Nexium organization. Oh, okay. No, no, no. So the program I went. Actually, I don't want to blast you on the internet. It wasn't Nexium, but when I watched the Nexium documentary, I realized. Okay. Okay. Here's the best way I can explain it. All of these trainings are based on the wellspring trainings from the 1970s and mm-hmm. that was like very very popular and so once wellspring took off all these different like sects started to like spur off and they created their own like further curriculum but all of these things are based on wellspring and so i went to one that was based on wellspring in california but it wasn't nexium but it had very similar trainings and like teaching so when i'm watching a documentary and like carrying all the crap they were saying yeah i was like oh my god like i was you know one step away from culthood <laughs> gotcha can we have like one more weird that... side conversation oh we can have them all I, i'm not done i got other weird questions for you but yeah oh, okay do you want to go first or do you want me to go first no i'm dying to hear what you're gonna say um, I used to have really strong feelings about death, like death is totally wrong, full stop, period. And then, so my friend is a vet. I think I remember this because you talked about CP- CPTSD and vets and stuff. And my friend's a vet and he has found a lot of healing um, by going to a sun ceremony, which a sun ceremony is a religious ceremony in some native american tribes i'm not going to name the tribe that he goes to because again i don't like to put people on blast but um it's a ritual in the heat of august with no water lots of fires and part of the ceremony um involves like an offering of the flesh and like hanging yourself um from like your chest or your back and it's very like in my mind brutal and he's telling me about the sun ceremony and this whole thing. And part of the sun ceremony procedure is they kill a puppy and they eat it in a soup. And I was so outraged. I was like, I cannot believe you participate in this. Like, that is so wrong. Like, I don't like hunting. I don't really like guns. Like, I mean, hunting, if you're going to whatever, like the way indigenous tribes hunt, I'm like, sure, like you're doing it. Not for they a trophy, it but yeah, it's, yes. it's 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 honoring them and they thank it and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. For hunting, you can put like a bear head on your wall. To me, is gross. Um, so I'm having this like really tough internal like conversation with myself and with him um, about this practice. And so he shared with me like in to indigenous tribes at least the one that he works with, right? It's like death is a necessary part of life, not just like in the circle of life, like the only unavoidable thing, but also death makes space for something new. And so in all these practices that I was calling barbaric, killing a puppy, offering your flesh, hanging yourself, depriving yourself of water, there's also like peyote involved and like suffering in the heat. 
all of these are offerings. All of these are making space for something new, like fire is necessary to burn, to, you know, kill off so something new can grow. And I started to realize, like, we get so attached to this life. And, like, this isn't me saying I'm, you know, I support murderers or, like, I'm going to go out and kill someone or, like, even if I accidentally kill someone, like, vehicular homicide, I wouldn't have a ton of, like, guilt and stuff to move through. But hearing him speak about it, thinking about my experience with ayahuasca and abortion and all of these things, I was like, you know, we become these sort of crazy, like, arbiters of justice. And in some ways, it's to protect society. So, like, you know, we don't delve into, devolve into, you know, I don't know, <laughs> killings and cannibals and all sorts of things. But death, like, it's just the beginning of a different chapter. And I think our attachment to life and our demonization of death, our fear of death, our crazy stories about death actually stop us from enjoying life. And if we could loosen up a little bit about death and embrace death and change our relationship with it, we would get more pleasure out of the time we are alive. Well, it's almost like a, a cruel joke that we are hardwired to survive no matter what. And that's the one thing we can't do. So it, it, it feels like if, you know, that's like the cosmic joke on us is that like, but then maybe that's another part that helps us, prevents us from appreciating it because it, it forces us to focus on like survival. Yeah, I mean, I do think, you know, it. I don't know what the before the after is going to look like, but I do have a feeling it's not going to be as like intense as this is. Um, and I think that's sort of our like our medicine is learning how to just enjoy the present, to be present and to take this for what it is and to like remember that we're something bigger. If you could come you back into any surrounding, like if like... Let's say um, Tommy wants to come back and in McDonald's play palace is like his heaven. Like where where would your heaven exist? What would be like your? Uh, can you describe your room? <laughs> it'd be by oh shit! I think I'd be on the top of a mountain that was right next to an ocean. Um. And my dad would be there for sure. And I'd be like littler. I used to have so much fun before my dad died. And I think that was just like an obviously altering experience, but I was much more carefree and like in the moment. And so I feel like I'd be like four or five. Um, and we'd be, yeah, in a home, all of us together, lots of wood, lots of natural light. And just like I could run down the mountain and run into the ocean. Yeah. Oh, and I'd have a pony. <laughs> I love animals. I'd have like the whole forest would be there. We'd all be chilling together. I had a question that was a callback to something earlier that I don't think I could let you get by without explaining. Uh, and the only note I really took, and I'll let you figure out what I'm talking about. I think it'll be apparent is that I called you a, a, and I think you kind of said it, but the, the title would be smell, Witch. oh uh, yeah. Like, I'm curious, like, to know more about, like, how... And is, is that what you said, or did I just write smell that down? Witch. I'm, smell so, witch. Everyone is an intuitive being. Yeah. And we receive messages from our intuition through the five senses. And so the way we're taught them is in the French of clear, blah, blah, blah. So smelling is aliens. So in French, that would be clear aliens, meaning clear smelling. Um, I do smell things that, like, aren't there and get messages through the smells. 
But I tied that back into saying, I think that's my heightened intuition is kind of why in my 20s, I started playing with this idea that like, I'm a witch. But now I feel like everyone's a witch and everyone's a wizard. We just don't like fully let ourselves be expressed. Jesus is um, a witch. Jesus was for sure like the OG. Just kidding. He wasn't the OG, but he was definitely. I mean, he rose from the dead. Come on, you guys. I I just wanted Um, to say that for the Christians out there. Oh, me too, I guess. (laughs) I'm not really a poker, but I like that. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Does that answer your question? No, I was, yeah, I was just curious. I mean, I, it's, it's, yeah. So they, you just smell things and then like learn. I, I don't know. I was just curious, like if you had an example of that. Yeah. So if I am debating something and I smell lilac, yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay. Like, yeah. Or um, sometimes I'll smell like leaves burning and there obviously aren't. And that's how I know my dad's there. Like he's with me. Why, why does that relate to your dad? Just any reason that, that, Oh, he used to, he used to go down. We have a lot of property. You know, we live in Iowa um, and burn leaves and it's against a city ordinance. And my mom will get so mad at him and he would come up like smelling like the burnt leaves or whatever. And I just like always laugh because I was like, ha, 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 look at him getting in trouble again. Cause if he's getting in trouble, I wasn't getting in trouble. Um, but anyway, I just always think of my dad and burning leaves. Yeah. I think, I think, like, you know, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing it this time. No, I'm not going next. You have to go. I'm done. Old ladies or old men, whatever we are, like bickering, old couple, you got to go. I You're like Muppets. I think it's really <laughs> cool, like how, like in real, so in other circumstances, smells can mean things. Like if you're smelling something that other people don't smell, it can mean uh, things about your body that are happening. Like, uh, like if you smell burning toast, uh, you may be burning your toast or you could be having a stroke. I learned that from Bo Burnham. It's not mine. Well, smells and memory are just kind of important in general. Like they, that smells like bring back memories more than like anything else. Like then you see or hear, like they say like, you know, you smell a perfume and remember your grandma or things like that. Like they, they trigger more memories than anything else. Or like when you hear a song in the summer, uh, and it reminds you of a time when you were like 16. Now you're like 35 or 42 like me. Um, you know, like, <laughs> <clears throat> But just bringing back like the, um, like it triggers something that you may not even be aware that you're experiencing over again. Sort of, mm, unless you're like, yeah, really there's a cascade in ready your brain. to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys both have things that like maybe you don't even realize are like intuitive. Maybe they are related to, maybe you hear a song and you hear like a certain phrase or a word over and over again and your intuition's trying to talk to you and you're just like, wow, this song is so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of people to talk to us about just recognizing patterns and things that 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 would call those things out. I know that's we love, we love that's a theme as well. I just I know I don't I'm not a I think, but that's also why you know this is big for me to do these things is because I've always been kind of like I don't want to say the not smart thing is obviously a joke. I'm obviously brilliant. And I've got a beard like a wizard, so that means something. Uh, but but the, I I just never like when you talk about like you know as a child and what you were in tune with and like people that see ghosts and shit. Like ah, I've never been that. I've always been just a straight up nihilist and a dick in my entire life. So it's like to be open to those things. Like maybe you know those things could be happening to me, but I'm definitely not sensitive to 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 the message if, if even if it's right in front of me i'm just it's just not all that 
I love thinking about like there are probably 17 ghosts in that room with you right now, like trying to spook you and you just like refuse to believe so you can't see them and they can see you and they're just. <laughs> yeah. And we went to, we went on a, um, to a, the haunted sanatorium. I mean, yes. they don't call it that, but the Indiana state sanatorium. So it was like a old, uh, what was it? What was the, it was a hospital for, uh, uh tuberculosis. Yeah. And so, Ooh. but and Joel's very sensitive to things and he's, he's, He's like feeling shit and he's feeling creeped out and I'm just laughing and making dumbass videos. So I mean, but that's kind of like the fun, like, you know, the balance between us that he's, he's in tune and I'm just not. So it's just, it's just kind of how it rolls. <laughs> but, you know, I think that like my openness and like, I, I think I, these conversations are what, what drive me towards like being more open to things. And I definitely feel like mentally better after eight, nine episodes of this. And like, so it's, it's, it's been a journey, but like, I'm, definitely didn't go and i wanted like i wanted more than anything like oh i want to feel so fucking creeped out it's going to be creepy as shit and i'm going to be like oh the the lights went up and yeah, like i didn't you wanted to feel be convinced you, we, yeah we all wanted to have some convincing experience happen but i will say that talking to the ghost guys uh the haunted knights gentlemen afterwards uh the ghost hunters uh explained kind of what was happening when eric and i didn't know what we were experiencing in a room with everyone um and just hearing that like made, made me want to do it again just because now i know some inside info on what was going on there and like i, I can kind of see and agree with the theories of this maybe causing the reason why we're there investigating it like i really love that they basically they're just talking about energy and like it's didn't necessarily yeah. have to be like an active thing it could just be like a an energy like type of recording of something that's happened there before and it, you know and then time not being like necessarily linear that like there's a possibility that you being there uh could be the haunting like you've triggered it because of the mm. slams in the past yeah. it was and, it was good and what's what's even more than that is like the haunting of hill house if you watch that it, it yes. touches on i don't want to give away <laughs> that it's old i'm sure awesome show yeah it's been around for a bit but for those of you who haven't seen it it's it's amazing it's a great concept and but it, that is a shared concept of what we were talking about and for those of you who haven't listened to that podcast episode go back and listen to it yeah it's 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 okay. different but yeah it definitely changed like when we knew what what they said the ghost was and like what what that was like and then they did the thing with the medium in the room and like you know i was like well, after i talked to him i was like i need to be the guy in the headphones like i want to i want to hear like why it relates but i don't know if you ever get a chance like you should try it it's it's a it was definitely a good time. it would definitely i definitely want to go back and maybe i mean i would go to any haunted thing ever <laughs> maybe take you would oh, okay yeah, I need zero convincing. Well, see, but that's part of like what this is too. It's like now it's your journey. Now it's your journey to try some new shit, and that's that's <laughs> on your to do list. We, I think we should add a challenge portion to our our podcast. Room. You can either okay. accept one, and yeah, I think you should. I challenge you to do mushrooms, a pizza. Ghost, ghost hunting adventure. Oh, fuck. No, I would not do that. Oh, my God. That sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard. But, but maybe I that's will. what turns on your sensitivity to I it. Will. Like maybe that's what you need. That's what I need. <laughs> I'll do it with it. I'm not. Oh, my God. You're just so open when you're on mushrooms. I don't want to be open to all of that all the way. 
Yeah. Well, I had I was thinking about that the other day too. It's like we should have. Uh, I definitely like was thinking of crossover episodes because I think that you know a lot of the the reason they're all together is because they're all kind of different and they all relate. Because I, I think the energies with with the ghost hunting stuff versus like what we talk about now is like there's there's overlap there. So one day get like you and them and somebody else in a room and we just you know get the the Adam that wrote the the DMT field guide like get get you all in a room and then like go from there. Like it it could be a an lost in party. Uh, annual <laughs> all the guests have to meet face to face joel brings the grilled pizza <laughs> i feel like that'd be <laughs> the weirdest room but i'd like to be in it <laughs> everybody gets the grilled pizza a, back a fake wait where box. is this tuberculosis place it's in uh uh was it west west side of western indiana yeah it was I'll near Terre Haute. it was near Terre Haute area um sure why not well, next time they post them, like they they just host it, like so a bunch of people go and uh, you can stay there and like you're there till three in the morning. They do the normal ghost hunting stuff and like so there's a place to stay while you're there and like yeah, it's just like like forty people I think, and then you get free reign. You don't have to stay with them. We just kind of walked around. We were on the roof, like the, the the building, like it was some some creepy shit. And outside of just like even the paranormal, like it's just a historically and it's a neat place to be. Like it's really cool, and they're preserving it just so people can do this. Like they're keeping it up so people can just go yeah. explore it. Oh wow! But it's oh, on like campus. That. It's got everything. You you don't even have to leave. Like they at one point everything was there. They never had to leave. So I'm sure a lot of people you, never left. <laughs> send you. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> and some never leave. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll I'll send you outside of the send you the okay. link so you can check it out. It's pretty cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, what else you got, Joel? I'm 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 running out of steam. I think we covered so much, and we covered I mean, bonus material at the end. Yeah, we're already talking about ghosts at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, I was, I no, it was good. I don't think I have any. I feel like I frequently cut Joel off, and then at the end, he's like, he he wants to ask a question about the first thing we talked about, and then I realized I truly am a dick, and I talk too much. No, I I covered I covered stuff that I was going to ask. Well, fine. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us today. And thanks for like, I, I'm, I can't wait to uh, not, uh, I, I, just to go over the, what we're going to, the, the whole description of this and mention that we're going to talk about gremlins. Uh, yeah. There's so many like random grilled pizza gremlins, uh, uh, no smell witches. Like there's just so many, so many things that if you read this description and you're not intrigued and you don't want to listen to this, something's wrong with you. That's yeah, what I think. Yeah, you're the problem. With you. Yeah. You're the Maybe. problem. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you need some help. So maybe you should listen anyway. And then uh, maybe microdose or do some breath work. Uh, got somebody here that can help. So You guys facilitate but, a great conversation. I really appreciate you um, having me on and, and creating the space and asking such good questions. And to Joel's mom and dad, thank you for thank you for listening. I'm sure you're lovely people, and I can't wait for you to hear the whole episode. <laughs> oh, it's so much better when I don't have to make that joke. It's so much better. <laughs> I think we found our third host. There we go. <laughs> If you can keep up with that, that's all you're. What writing. are their names? Please tell me, like Tom and Deborah. Um, Marilyn and Paul. Oh, a psychic once told me I was going to marry a Paul. Probably not your dad, but I'm still waiting. Probably not that. my dad. Yeah, because he's 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 married. Got my mom. Yeah, right. I'm not into that. So right. you stay well, away from my dad. Okay. <laughs> I, this got really weird. I don't even know how to how to to back out of it. So. I'll just again say thanks for coming and hanging out with us and uh, Thank thanks you. to everybody that, that listens and uh, all the links, 
all the 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 links for your um, uh, coaching and things will be somewhere around this. Look around your screen, people, and push the buttons. Like and subscribe, all that shit. But mostly, uh, no, just just go get coached and get get your mind better because it. She is the future. Julie is the future of, of mental well. health. <laughs> you yeah. are. I just said I'm canceling my doctor. <laughs> just kidding. All right. <laughs>